Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to the final regular season episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. It's good to say the final regular season show, as for the first time since the show relaunched, we will be producing playoff shows, which is very pleasing indeed. Okay, so on to today's show. I'm joined once again by Naji Kara, and we will be reviewing the season finale against the Seahawks. Hello Naji, have you recovered from the early hours of this morning? Uh, yes, I have. You know, a win always helps. Uh, it was very difficult falling asleep. I was so excited and still kind of bouncing and hard racing because of the ending. Uh, it was difficult to fall asleep, but luckily, uh, unlike many others I've seen on the group today, I didn't have to go to work, so uh, it's all right for me. I had the whole day. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was in that position and I was exactly the same. There was no way I was going straight to bed after that game. I was just oh. so pumped up. Um, I, I think it was quarter past six this morning that uh, I eventually said, right, I need, I need to go to bed now. Mm-hmm. And I'd spent about two hours after the game had finished uh, tweeting out in the, the group account on Twitter and uh, still talking on in the Facebook um, group, looking at some of the interviews that Shanahan, um, Jimmy G were given, Richard Sherman were given after the game. It, it was just too much. I just couldn't go to bed. Far too hyped, heart rate going through the roof. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic night. It was indeed. It was indeed. Let's talk about it. Okay, so the the first thing I'm going to pick out is is, I mean, it was a really positive night. Uh, we've come away with everything we wanted. We got the win. We we've now got the number one seed uh, seed solidified. Um, home field advantage throughout the playoffs um, for how far, however far we progress. However, the first thing I'm going to pick out, and it's something we actually mentioned in the review show for the Rams, and that is Mosley over Witherspoon. Did Shanahan take too long to make that decision? Uh, I don't know. I think he's definitely coming back. I don't, you know, you can tell there's a progression uh, from the when he came back in the Falcon games uh, towards the end and, and the Rams games. And today, I think he played better. Um, I'm, I'm talking with a spoon. Yeah. And um, I think there's a, and I was very angry with him uh, during the whole game. I was seeing DK Metcalf completing all these passes. But then I looked at the whole defense plan and, uh, and clearly the idea that Robert Saleh was uh, in thriving in this game is we are not going to give up the big plays because that's what Seattle thrives on. And as soon as they get a big play, they get hot and then they're unstoppable. So I think they just let everything in front of them happen and they rally to make the tackle. And when you do that, you expose yourself to these like 10 yards and 8 yards catches over and over and over. But, and as we saw in the, in the final drive of the, uh, of, of the game, as long as you keep everything in front of you, you can stop it and you can make them earn every yard and take a long time to score touchdown. And then when the field reduces and gets smaller, it's way harder to score, score points and touchdowns. So I, I don't know. I, I was a bit surprised that it did. I think it's mostly uh, because of 
uh, fitness that are mostly played at the end. I think maybe Witherspoon starting getting a bit tired and they won't take the risk to give up the big play. So I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think he's played that badly. Uh, it looks like he may have, but I don't think he has. I think Witherspoon plays a lot better when we've got D Ford on the field and we've got our bookend uh, defensive ends both causing pressure from either side. I think that definitely helps Witherspoon with the way that Witherspoon plays. Because what I've noticed about Witherspoon, as opposed to Mosley, Mosley seems to be able to react or receive a change in direction a lot better than what Witherspoon can. But his overall game intelligence is possibly not as good as Witherspoon. And I think that's why there's a balance there. And I think Shanahan kind of, he, he hinted at this when he was asked the question in the post-game interview, why he made it and he basically turned around and says it was a good feeling we with the spoons good at one part of being a cornerback mostly good mm -hmm. at being a different uh part of being a cornerback and he just felt mostly's where mostly's better than with a spoon on some things that's what he needed for that particular drive yeah that makes sense you know no not all corner books are equal um and i think our team is is a is good Example of that, you see Richard Sherman is very hardly in man press and he will, you know, go step for step with somebody he's more of a zone guy. And I think I think Witherspoon is kind of the same, not really a man press. Somebody like, you know, Daryl Rivers or, or Jalen Ramsey that can stay step for step with even of the best ones. So and Mosley is more that kind of guy, the one on one, start really close to, to the to the guy in front of you and and you can change direction really quickly depending on what the, the wide receiver does. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think and I think, you know, Kyle and, and Robert Saleh are clever guys and they realize as as I said, the field gets smaller, it's easier to play man and press off the line than play zone and let somebody run around and and follow them around. I just um yeah, I'm I was quite happy after looking at quite um highlights and kind of replay game this morning uh, I, I just think they both played extremely well so on to the pass rush which is what i think makes with a spoon better when we have d ford um obviously d ford wasn't available last night but we still managed to get plenty of pressure on wilson albeit we only managed to get a single sack i think looking at the way the team played we played very well for maybe three quarters but then you could see we were tiring so what worked well for us early on in the season, which was the uh, the really good rotation because we had different pieces that we could bring in, the likes of DJ Jones, the likes of Julian Taylor, who we, we now no longer have because they are on IR. You can see that that pass rush has now been strained a little bit, been stretched a little bit, and they do tie towards the end of games, which is when we do look as though we're a lot more vulnerable than what we did early on in the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's there's a lot of factors coming into play here. One of them is, yeah, we, we really like in depth, so people are getting tired, uh, to, especially towards the back end of the third quarter and, and the fourth. Um, but there's also the fact that we've played on the back end of the season, we've played those escape artists and those very good quarterbacks that know how to get rid of the ball really fast and know how to avoid pressure or redirect uh, you know, blocking schemes to make sure they've got everything they need. Uh, you know, Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson and Matt Ryan and, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers and then Russell Wilson twice now. I mean, Russell Wilson is the escape artist. This guy is just so good at it. Um, but I, I thought our pressure was very good. Um, I thought we, we played, you, you know, the fact that they didn't have a strong uh, O-line with the, the miss of Duran Brown uh, helped us a bit. And But I, I think 
I think you're right. Yeah, we we tend to see that we're getting tired towards the end. There's also the fact that our offense seems to be scoring really, really fast. And our drives aren't lasting. We just go down the field really fast, five, six plays, ten plays, and score within you know four minutes. That means the defense doesn't really have time to have a breather, which was the difference at the beginning of the season. We used to run the ball a lot and, and um, take a bit more time off the clock, which means that your defense just sat there waiting to go back on. Uh, so I think it's a lot of different things that make this. Obviously, the absence of D four is. I think people aren't talking about it enough. Um, he's kind of been a quiet kind of leader in that in that team. Uh, six and a half sacks, and I'm not even sure how many games he's played. What ten games? That's that's pretty good. So uh, so yeah, I think it's more a combination of everything. Yeah, yeah, I see your point there. De- definitely on the offensive side of the, of the ball. We we aren't getting those um, those periods where we can rest the defense. You're right. We are moving the ball a lot quicker, and obviously that's because we've gone to the pass game a lot more than what we've gone to the run game, and we seem to be having a lot more big plays than what we did early on in the season. So back to the pass rush, but not ours this time. Um, the Seahawks. So the thing that surprised me was Clowney was pretty much irrelevant last night after the game he put up against us at Levi's Stadium. He did manage to rack up one tackle for a loss, but that was pretty much it. And for the rest of the night, Sealy pretty much had his number all of the game. So that that was quite surprising because I honestly thought Clowney was going to be back last week and they just give him that extra week to to get his fitness back up a little bit more for what was going to be a pivotal divisional game. Yeah, I think... Two things here. I think we see the eighth steady clearly wasn't right when we played them at Levi uh, a few weeks back because the difference in between the two games is outstanding. I think NBC showed it quite a lot, uh, the matchup between Steady and Clowney. And he just didn't even come close to Jimmy at all. So I think that, that one game was Steady, that was Steady coming back, clearly tells me it was Joe Steady wasn't 100% in that game. But you can also see why the Texans have got rid of Clowney, because he is very up and down. He will disappear for a period of the season and then just have that one big game that just makes you think, oh, maybe maybe this guy is actually very, very good. And he is very good, but he's very, uh, you know, hit and miss, as, as I would say. But yeah, yesterday, I think I think our line played absolutely outstanding. If it wasn't for um, the Ben Garland penalty on the end, uh, which I... I think was more unfortunate than anything. They would have had a pretty much a clean game. Okay, so I'm going to jump to the next question because you just mentioned Ben Garland, and that was going to be the question after that. So, what did you make of that dreadful, unnecessary roughness call on Garland? I don't think any of the analysts could believe that that give a penalty like that on an offensive fair lineman who is downfield blocking and the players behind him especially in a stadium like Central Link Field, where it's very difficult to hear at the best of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the thing is the refs aren't refing different depending on where they play and what the stadium noise is. They'll just ref what happens. I think the fact that he dives in his knee and when the play is clearly over is why they, they threw the flag. I think if it stayed up and just engaged with him, you know, uh, just like a normal block uh, on the shoulder pad. They would have never done it, even if it pancake him to the ground. I think it's because the fact that, uh, I can't remember who the player is, uh, their safety just, you can tell he stops playing, he's not even engaging with the 
and and Ben Garland just dives in his knee, which is very dangerous. So I don't have a problem with the. I think it was just unfortunate. I I, I, I agree that it's a foul because you have to protect players, you have to protect from injuries. Um, but yeah, it, it, as a Niners fan, you go, oh, well, no. But yeah, I, if you take the if if you take anybody else in the league, they would say, yeah, this is definitely a flag uh, to me anyway. Yeah. Overall, what did you make of the rest of the officiating? Because you read through to it after the game, and obviously all 49ers fans just don't care because we won. Um, but there's a lot of Seahawks fans who are very disappointed with some of the calls, some of the pass interference non-calls. Um, some of that was explained after the game by the officiating crew in New York. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was a, I thought they had a reasonable game. There wasn't too many decisions that made you think well that that was poor and that could turn the game i think i think the officiating has been struggling all season in every game uh they've not had the best year and this definitely challenge of the passing difference has made it horrible on them i don't think it's something they wanted to deal with um i think that game was all right i think there's there's definitely a case to be made on that passing difference uh, if you if you're a seahawks fan you see a hundred percent if you're one of us, you say, oh, maybe, I don't know. And if you're neutral, you probably can fully decide. It, you, you know, this game is played really fast. And, and it's just human beings out there trying to see what's happening, even though they have the replay. And even though, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, overall, I think the officiating this year has been not the greatest we've seen. Um, there, there's been a lot of controversy, which hasn't happened much. Um, in previous years, and you know, I think I think they'll they'll sort they'll sort it out. But you know, when you see plays where like fumbles have been blown dead, and you know, fumbles are returned for touchdown have been blown dead, and it happens again and again and again, you're just thinking, what well, what's going on in, in with the officiating? And I, I think they're trying to find a footing and find some somewhere in the middle ground to be. You know, you sh- we shouldn't talk about refs. There's something that should be in the background and. We should just talk about football. It's a shame that it always seems to resurface. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, the, the interesting thing from the pass interference call is, it, it, so it came out of New York. They said they did review the call, but they didn't think it was worthy of a booth re- uh, review. And the reason for that is they said that the uh, offensive player, the wide receiver, initiated the initial contact and yeah, then the rest of the contact cool. followed that, Which and there wasn't enough to suggest that the defensive contact actually prevented the player from catching the ball. Um, so it was interesting yeah. to find out the process they went through before they actually decide whether or not it should be an official booth review. Yeah, it's the whole clear and obvious, isn't it? It's, which is very subjective. So it, it's clear and obvious if you're a Seattle fan. It's not clear and obvious if you're a Niners fan. So what what does clear and obvious means? It's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a grey area, which is not what refing should be doing. But yeah, I agree. I, I think. I think uh, I'm pretty sure it's Tyler Lockett engaged with Fred Warner, and then Fred Warner—it's—they're kind of battling each other. Which, to me, as a defensive-minded guy, I, I like to see this. It's football. It's—it's it's a physical game. I let people play, and you know, the good wide receiver will get out of that and make a play, and the good—you know—the good linebacker or, or DB will make it better, harder for them to. So uh, yeah, it's you know we could debate for it for hours, and I'm sure the Seahawks people would would tell us we're wrong. But yeah, ultimately it's not been called, and and that's that that's the end of that, isn't it? And especially if it's been reviewed and multiple people decided that it wasn't worth it. So 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on to the other interesting factor from this game. The interesting factor that, again, turned out to be pretty much irrelevant, um, which we were all pleased about, and that was the return of Beast Mode or Least Mode, Feast Mode. <laughs> there's, there's so many different things you can put into that. He just didn't seem to be a factor. He, he's only averaged 2.8 yards per carry, and there was some peculiar, peculiar player calling on behalf of the Seahawks in the way in which they used him. Um, not just in the way in which they used him, but the way in which they delayed getting him on the field so much. It caused them to have that delay of game penalty right at the very end, which effectively cost them the game and the number three seed in the NFC. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the guy was serving shots last week in, in Auckland, you know, at the last game uh, at the Coliseum. So, no, not the Coliseum, sorry, at the, at the Black Hole. Um, so <laughs> the, the guy hasn't played a game of football in, in 14 months. They're not going to be ready to, to play that kind of game in that kind of... Uh, the, even if it's beast mode and we know what he's been doing, the, the, the guy has been on a decline for two, three years. I, I personally didn't think he was going to be an, a, a factor. You know, this, first of all, so much playbook you can learn in a week. And then second of all, physically, um, the, the level these guys are at, you, you don't get back to that in a week. Even if you show me his video of him working out for a week, that's that's not good enough. This is this is elite people. It's like saying, I'll just I'll just go and run a, a, an Olympic marathon in, in a week time and I'll be ready for it. It, it just doesn't happen. So um, so yeah, um, but I th I think that's not the reason why they brought him back. I think the reason they brought him back is to to try to, to drive the game away from from the fact that they they weren't good enough to beat us, even though it looked really close. They just had this whole because that's what Seattle does. They just work on hype and just like build hype out of something and then they just drive on that and thrive on that and get better at it and you saw as soon as he touched the ball the crowd was going mental which obviously help you know it helps all the, the the kids out there like Metcalf that hasn't been there for a while and then Wilson clearly loves it and and clearly plays better because of that so I, I think that's really it was more of a PR move than a, than a football move but um, because because Travis Homer looks Okay, you know, uh, it looked well, at least as good as CJ Prosize did in the previous game. So I'll completely agree with that. And the reason why is I believe they brought them back to fire up the crowd, to, yeah. to get them to be even louder than what they normally are. Because obviously that, that's one of their big advantages up in Century Link Field. And that's to put the offense off with the noise. And with, with Beast Mode coming into the game, obviously the noise is when he's on um, offense. But having him on the sideline, it, it just generates this aura around the whole stadium and it gets the fans wound up, it gets it gets the voices up. And I think that's why they did it. So you're right, I, th I think it was a PR move. Um, I think they knew they could use him on short yardage situations because he can pound that ball, it doesn't matter how fit yeah. he is. Um, but I, I must admit, uh, I think they reported it on the, on the actual broadcast that he'd been training since the start of December and I'm very sceptical of that. I, I don't believe that for one second. I don't, I don't think he's been training, thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up a team at the end of the uh, the month here and come in and um, play me best football." I, yeah, I, I'm very sceptical of that. No, same, same. I think he's working as much as uh, you know anybody that goes to the office nine to five and uh, goes for a workout in the morning. It, it doesn't mean you're preparing yourself to play for the NFL. This, this is two different worlds what we're talking about. And as I said, he was in Auckland for the last game. 
a week ago serving tequila shots. You don't do that when you prepare yourself to uh, to play in the NFL. There's absolutely no way. This is definitely a PR move. But the, the, and and you know, as much as I hate this team, it, it almost felt right for them. It almost felt like somebody wrote the script for a Hollywood movie where they had the ball on the two-yard line and they could have gave it to him and won the game. And obviously, the penalty just brought them back uh, five yards, which obviously saved us. But you, I, I could see it when they completed that, that fourth and ten on the, on the wide-yard line. And then you say, oh, here we go. They're going to put Marshall Lynch. She's just going to jump over again. And, and it's, that's all they're going to talk about for, for two weeks. It's just going to be horrible. And then, thankfully, the, 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 the Niners D came at big. Because uh, I, w- I want to talk about uh, Dre Greenlow's tackle because that is one of the best tackles I've seen in a long time. Yeah, Dre Greenlow was absolutely phenomenal last night. Um, so in, in his uh, post-game speech, Shanahan said he hadn't given the ball to anyone. Yeah, he, so he would that. give it to the team um, because that's what he does when he's happy, apparently. He gives it to the <laughs> team. Sorry, but from buddy. all accounts, that ball ended up in Dre Greenlaw's locker. So even though Shanahan didn't give it to him, I think they'll have been one of the captains of the team, one of the leaders of the team. They've turned around and said, this ball belongs to you because you won us that game with, with that tackle at the end. But obviously not only the tackle, he had an outstanding game last night, Dre Greenlaw. Yeah, they did. Him and Fred Warner, of course. It seems to have like that chemistry. And it, I, I, I hate to say it because I miss them both so much, but it reminds me of Bowman and Willis. Uh, you know, and... Uh, touch wood, they can be as good as these guys were. Uh, but you can tell there's some kind of this sparks when these guys are talking to each other and making tackles for each other and stuff. And I've been on their back for the past four or five podcasts, haven't I? And saying them that their coverage wasn't great, their coverage wasn't great. And then they just responded in the best, best way, which is they haven't allowed big gains today. They clamped down on covering. Fred Warner was all over the field, and Greg Reno was complimenting. The tackle, and then on our last play, the, both of them just here together. So Dre Greenlow to make the, the initial hit, and Fred Warner to make sure Hollister doesn't extend to the end zone. It was, it was amazing. And these guys, the guys have just got drafted to second year and, and a rookie. Hopefully, we'll have them both for a long time. And them two and, and Guan Alexander can, can, can make a very, very scary linebacker group. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the positives I've got later on. Um... The fact that Quan Alexander is going to come back and be playing alongside both Greenlaw and Warner, uh, and that's just going to make us scarily good at the linebacker position. Um, so on, on other members of the Forty uh, Nine team that did really well, and one person I want to pick out who has progressed as the season's gone on, game by game by game, and in my opinion, is now our our definite number one wide receiver, and that is Debo Samuel. His yards after the catch were absolutely amazing. He is definitely looking like a true number one receiver. And he's had a fantastic season. And the way he's finished the regular season, it's going to be great come postseason. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. This is this is everything you want out of a of a rookie wide receiver. You um, you know, um, you want him to make an impact pretty much straight away, especially a second rounder like him. And you hear all the scouts telling you that he might be good and and you know, you never really know coming from college to the NFL. But yeah, what what a guy! And one thing Chris Collingworth said during the broadcast yesterday is that he's a wide receiver, but he runs like a fullback or like a running back, and and that's why he's so much in the backfield as well. And and you gotta love that. You gotta love somebody that you know puts 
100% effort and then just put their body on the line and aren't afraid to kick ahead, just like George Kittle. And I'm sure it comes kind of from there as well. It's, it's contagious, isn't it? And characteristics are just hard hitter on offense, which is something you don't really see that often. Um, but yeah, what a season. What a, you know, what a guy. It's, it's amazing. We, we're mourning the loss of Dante Pettis at the beginning of the season. He's gone away. And we wanted him to be what Debo Samuel is, basically. Kind of different players, obviously. Different skills. Uh, but yeah, um, it's, it's amazing to have somebody uh, that, can, that can just like, do what he does. And he's, he's such a big body. You think he's one of those uh, you know, pro- progressing receiver that just goes, like, gets 10 yards at a time. But no, he gets big chunk gain, a big chunk gain, and spins move and just walks in the end zone and touches. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing him grow as a number one. It's going to be interesting to see how Pettis does respond to this because obviously he spent most of the um, most of the season on the sidelines, um, mm-hmm. getting a rep here and there. But really, Debo Samuel is filling the spot that we all expected Pettis to have, including Shanahan. Shanahan yep. expected Pettis to be our number one wide receiver. He didn't put the effort in in the off season, but you would have thought going through this season. He'll have been stood there on the sidelines looking at what Debo Samuel's doing and thinking, I need, I really need to up my game in in practice. And the fact that we've been winning week in, week out, and to all our all the fans, we all expected to go to the postseason and to the playoffs. Surely that should have been motivation for Pettis to put in the extra effort and actually give Shanahan a headache thinking, well, do I put Pettis in now? Do I leave? Debo in, do I take mm-hmm. Bourne out and put Pettis in? Yeah. There's so many things he can do with him, but he just doesn't. I don't know if it's just the fact that he's not getting the opportunity anymore because Shanahan is that fed up with giving him an opportunity and he's failing to do that. Um, obviously, there was that video that came out in practice and he was dropping pass after pass in practice. Um, so, obviously, that's not good. And that wasn't that long ago. We, I think we only talked about four weeks ago maximum. So, that's not great. But you kind of hope that he would get the idea of what yeah, he response, needs to do. Yeah. He, he, he would have a response to that. I think I think he's still got got a chance to do it. I think I think the fact the the way the seasons unfolded, where all of a sudden all of the games we're playing matters so much. You, you're just going to play your best player, and and I think you know when you've lost the confidence of your coach, it's 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 hard to gain it back just by being good at practice because. Uh, you, you know, you play Green Bay when when you Debo Samuel. You know, you, you play the the Ravens. We need to win that game, so we're going to play Debo, and then we play the same. You know, it's all of the games. Uh, it, it, had we been qualified and not in the NFC West, and you know, locked down the uh, the division earlier with with the thirteen and three record, I think I think we would have seen a bit more of him in the game. But when it comes to crunch time and money time, and you're just going to go with who you trust and um. I hope that Pettis sees that maybe he can be a big impact in, in the playoffs. Maybe he's going to come in and, and score a, a winning touchdown in, in the playoff game. You, you, you never know what's going to happen. You know, the, the Patriots are very good at, at doing that, just bringing that guy that you haven't seen ever and just all of a sudden being. So, so, so he's still got a chance, and then there's still the offseason where he, he'll be able to redeem himself. I still have a hope for him because I think he's a very good player, and he showed it in, in his rookie year last year. Um, so... There's, there's still time, and it's a good problem to have. Now we have Sanders and Samuel and Pettis and Bourne, and we've got Jalen Hurd that's been injured all season, and, and who knows what we're going to do in this draft coming up as well. So 
yeah, it's it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Okay, so I've touched on the people that really stood out, um, stood out as being extra special in, in this game. Obviously, you can go to Kittle, you can go to Mustard, you can go to Breda, who who all had good games. You can go to Juice, who had a good game. Yeah. Um, but these are the type of players that are consistent and are consistently doing this week in, week out. And they basically carried that on last night. So somebody who has also been consistent the back end of the season, but who... I really feel as though I need to to mention is Jimmy Garoppolo, and I thought he was clutch again. Whenever the Seahawks scored, he responded straight away. He he upped his game. I think he threw one poor pass all night, and I mentioned it straight away in the game day thread that he was very very lucky not to be picked off. But other than that, I thought he was excellent. He stood tall in the pocket. He made throws even though he knew he was going to get smacked in the mouth. And he made sure that his receivers could get to the ball. He went through the full second half, six for six. He, he didn't uh, have an incompletion in the second half. So I, I think over the last four or five weeks, the the level of the teams we've played and the way he's responded to that level of play has been absolutely excellent. And it gives us so much encouragement going into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been consistent and is. He's fixed his mistake, which is one of the best thing. Uh, you know, I was I was crying for. I stopped dropping the ball, stopped throwing those killer picks. Uh, so so that's 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 great. You can tell he's, he he's wants he wants to, he wanted to improve and he has improved. And uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say about the guy apart from I'm gonna get on his case because you just needed 15 more yards, dude, and you you would have been to the 4,000 club. Yeah, uh, I know so, that. So 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 close, but. Yeah, what what an achievement after coming out, you know, last year with with a horrible injury, the the ACL. It's not an easy injury to come back to and to play to that level. I think he's he's definitely in uh, in the contention for a comeback player of the year, possibly. Uh, you know, the the NFL award thing. I think he certainly deserves it. But yeah, what what a game! Shame he didn't throw a touchdown. Uh, you, you you know, when you go and play in in Century Link. Uh, having a game like he did is is quite is quite impressive because that stadium has broken many 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 quarterbacks and uh, you know Kaepernick was one of them. Uh, I remember he just it was it was dreadful in that stadium and many many Kirk Cousins was dreadful in that stadium this year. You know the so the the level he's been playing all season against a very good team and and responding the way he has because it goes downfield scores touchdown and they go downfield and scores touchdown. You're thinking okay. Well, he goes out again and he just sling it and then just find Kyle chick open for 44 yards or he finds Debo open, wide open, standing in a pocket and, and getting hit hard. So, yeah, yeah, he's, he's been amazing. He's, he's our franchise QB, he's, he's my QB and I'm very happy that he's here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so move on to somebody else I want to give credit to for the way this season has gone. And this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think credit needs to go to Jed York for the hiring of both Shanahan and Lynch, which has enabled the team to be successful this season. I don't think he gets enough credit because of past decisions that have been made. People are still holding on to those decisions. The fact that we've moved out of San Francisco down to Santa Clara, um, the, the the firing of Jim Harbaugh. Oh, it wasn't really a firing of Jim Harbaugh, which didn't renew his contract. Um, and then the hiring of several other people, the likes of Jim Tom Sula, Trent Bolge, they, they were poor hires. But 
I, I th really think that he needs to get credit for the way that this team has played this season because it was Jed York that went out and had the faith in both Shanahan and Lynch to give them both six-year contracts. Yeah, 100%. And if anybody wants to, you know, not believe that, they just have to go to the NFL website right now and look at the, the coaches that are getting fired after being there for one year. He, he could have certainly done that. You know, when we, we went two years, three wins and four wins, he could have certainly gone around and said, all right, this isn't working. Uh, this draft pick isn't good. This draft pick isn't good. I'm not happy with We've, we've just drafting defensive linemen. This isn't what the Niners are about, blah, blah, blah. Especially with his background and his family, you know. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure they, they have dinner parties where he, he, he might have been under fire the last two years. So, yeah, a ton of credit for just tr trusting his guts and sticking with it because because that's uh, it's the right move to, for sure. But sometimes, you know, money and, and other, other, other prerogatives are come, come further. But... Yeah, I mean, he stuck to it. He signed them to a six-year contract, and he's going to go through the six-year, and uh, hopefully he can sign them for, for a long, long, longer time. Um, yeah, 100%. And we, we don't hear about it. In the previous years, when there was something that was happening, it would be on the forefront of the, the, the news, and you'd hear say this about this guy, this about that guy, and that's not what you want your owner to do. You want your owner to be in the shadow and then just work on, the, on, on everything that makes the, the franchise great and just let... Football people do football things. So yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. Um, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it earlier. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a great. He's a great honor, and uh, yeah, he's done a great job. Okay, so moving on to the postseason, we've given ourselves the best possible opportunity to progress through the Super Bowl. Home field advantage is going to be huge. We're now going to see the return of the likes of D4, Jaquiski Tart, Quan Alexander. That should see the, the defence return to early season dominance. And also a person coming back into the O-line will help both the run and the pass games. We have a fairly fresh backfield with a good rotation and a fantastic one-two punch of Mustard and Breda, which will wear teams down. How do you see the playoffs going? It's difficult to say. I don't want to be over-optimistic. I don't want to be over-pessimistic because uh, playoff games, are, you know, it's a, it's a playoff game. It's one, it's one and done. Uh, so you, it's, it's hard to call it. But I, I think we've got all the... We're the best team in the NFC. Uh, I don't think anybody can, can argue that may, maybe the Saints are up there as well uh, with, with the best team in the NFC. So I think all of the chances are on, in, in our corner. We're playing at home, which Levi has been absolutely amazing. Uh, this season, like, the fans have really responded to that stadium after being empty for two years. Uh, so that's great. We don't have to travel anywhere cold. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking Green Bay when yeah. it's mi minus 15 and wind chills and, and all that. We don't have to go to Philadelphia where the stadium is hostile there too and, and it's raining all the time. Or we don't have to go to the Superdome and, and try and be the Saints again. Yeah, no, th this time we will be at home no matter what happens, and that, that's great. But it's the playoff. This, there's a different vibe. The different players play differently, and different team will rise up or fall down, depending. It's, it's very hard to predict, but I think our chances are very, very, very good um, to, to definitely make it to the championship, and then, and then I'll, I'll be happy, I think. Um, I'm, I'm already super happy that we're in the playoffs. It's been you know, six years, seven years. Since we made a playoff game, it's it's daunting and also very exciting. I can't wait. 
Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, don't get us wrong. They've exceeded my expectations already. So I'm happy with the way the season's gone. If we go out the very first game, I'd like to progress, but we've still exceeded my expectations. However, I think, now. The, Se- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think the Seahawks will struggle against the Eagles in Philly because yeah, the okay. Eagles have a pretty good O-line. And if they okay. can't get to Wentz, it's going to expose their cornerbacks because their cornerbacks aren't anything to write home about. No. Um, this is obviously something we need to be aware of as a potential opponent, opponent for the divisional round, the fact that uh, Philly's got a good O-line. Um, however, I, I can actually see Philly winning that game and then coming into Levi's. And the reason I think it's going to be the Eagles is because I just can't see the Vikings beating the Saints. That's just never going to happen down in the Dome. Um, and I think that's going to set up uh, the Saints-Packers divisional game in Lambeau, which, to be honest, that could actually go either way because of the weather. I think the weather's going to be quite a leveller up there in Lambeau because yeah. it's so cold and it's always bitter in Lambeau when it gets to January. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And Drew Brees is historically not nowhere near as good outside than inside. So, yeah, um, yeah it'll, it'll be a good game, uh, Aaron Rodgers versus... Versus Drew Brees. I mean, I wouldn't sleep on the Vikings either. You know, as I said, it's the playoff. It's a uh, clean slate and, and go and try and win a game. And the Darwin Cook is special. So um, I, I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll win, but you never know. You never know. Well, it'll be interesting if the Vikings do beat the Saints, but I think the Vikings will come up against the same problem as what the uh, Saints would, and that's going to Lambeau in January. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. They, they do that twice a year anyway. Well, sorry, not twice yeah. a year, but they do play the Packers twice a year. Yeah. Um, but if I'm honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see 49ers-Packers NFC Championship game at Levi's. I think that would be my prediction too, actually. I think, I think even though the Packers are no worth for their, their record and we showed them that, that when they came to, to our house I think uh, I think it'll be difficult for the Saints to be good in Lambeau uh, in a playoff game on the 100th season of, of the NFL uh, I think that'll, that'll be a pretty special night and uh, and we know what Aaron Rodgers is like on, on special nights is uh, is 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 incredible. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good game. And as as a football fan in general, I'm just I'm just so excited to to watch playoff football. It's it's the best time of the year. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So I'm not going to make any predictions for the Super Bowl. Not not quite yet. I'm I'm going to okay. wait until after the uh, NFC Championship game to see if we're there, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'll make uh, any any prediction for that I'm, game. I, I, I could. I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb, and I, I think. I've got a very good feeling. I think I think it'll be Niners Chiefs. Really, uh, Niners Chiefs? Yeah. yeah. Right. I think so. I think it'll be Niners Chiefs. Um, I don't know. The Chiefs, to me, I've, I've watched them the past two weeks. Uh, a little bit of red zone, a little bit of actually watching them, and they they just they just look so comfortable, and their defense is starting to really play really well. And I think they will postpone them to. Um, to Lamar Jackson, I think Andy Reid has got, you know, he he's a sneaky bugger and he'll find a way to stop him. Um, I don't know. I, I I still don't quite believe the whole, you know, uh, the way uh, Baltimore plays the whole running games. It's it's been working in the past and it's it's been working all season. Don't get me wrong, and they're absolutely amazing at it. Broke every record in a book. But when it comes to a playoff game and it's in the trenches and it's hard and it's cold and everybody's tired because you've been playing for six months, I think I think the Chiefs and Mahomes will do it. But it's my opinion. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong. 
as long as it's a good game, I don't care. All right, I'm going to make my prediction then. <laughs> okay, go for it. So, so I, I agree with the 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to get there. I think we're the best team in the NFC. Um, the fact that people have to come to Levi's, we're going to beat people. We are. We're going to, we're going to beat everybody that put, that's put in front of us. So I can definitely see us getting through the Super Bowl. I honestly believe it was going to be against the Ravens, and that's going to be a tight game. It was, it was a tight game when they beat us in Baltimore. Uh, I think it's going to be another tight game if we do play them in the Super Bowl. If it's the Chiefs, I'd be much more confident that we oh. would win the Super Bowl if we go up against the Chiefs than going <clears> up <throat> against the Baltimore Ravens again. So if your prediction comes true and it's the Chiefs 49ers, I'd be over the moon with that. I'd feel a lot more confident that we're going to end up getting number six. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Chiefs are, the Chiefs are stacked everywhere. That running backs are good. The tight ends are good. The wide receivers are good. Uh I think I think they're more dangerous than people think. They're sneaky good. People don't talk about it, and that's sometimes a little bit, a little bit scary. I just Patrick Mahomes was the MVP last year. You know, if 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 you say nine is uh, Patrick Mahomes from last year, do you still feel confident to to win the game? Uh, I don't know. I, I do purely because of our defense. Yeah, our, our defense is I, I another think it'll level. Be, I think it will definitely be a, a different kind of game for sure. Um, um, probably a shootout, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's the Super Bowl. Anything can happen. We saw what the Rams did last year. They got nine points. Completely went away. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I'm super excited. On to, on to in two weeks first. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you're getting me super excited as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm going to finish <laughs> this episode there because I, I'm definitely getting excited today. Okay, so... Thanks again to everyone that listens. Please remember to like and subscribe and also check out our YouTube channel, which can be found by searching for 49er Faithful UK. We now have a fortnight break in 49er football, in which time I hope to record a season review show with a few willing members of the group. But until then, I'd like to say thank you once again, Naji. I hope you've had a really good holiday. And until we get round to the season review... Go Niners.